0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments.
0: Hosted by thespians myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza. Fortnightly, we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Doll Podcast. Today we are joined by a Fabulous up and coming Sydney based queer playwright Jacob Parker.
1: Before we get started, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Tabal people of UGERA, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live, and record, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging.
0: Jacob is a Sydney based queer playwright who still needs to say the whole alphabet to know if R goes before or after T. In 2020, Jacob's play This Genuine Moment was put on to a sold-out season at the old 505 Theatre and then again as a part of La Mama's Midsummer Festival in 2020 to rave reviews. His work has a keen focus
1: for authenticity, the experience of young people, and the way that we can use technology to produce new and exciting theatre. They have worked with the Australian Theatre for Young People, ATYP, Q Theatre and King's Cross Theatre Company and was a finalist for the 2021 Martin Lysicrates Prize. In 2022, Jacob has debuted two new works, Tell Me Before the Sun Explodes and an artistic read-through of his play, Dumb Kids at King Cross Theatre. Welcome to the mic, Jacob! Why am I wooing myself? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of one of yes. those moments,
1: though. We Thank need you. the crowd.
0: Hype yourself up. How are you? How are you going? Obviously, you were in the midst of a production. How yeah. are you?
2: I'm good. It's closing night tonight. Oh um, my God. I feel like I'm finally getting to the stage where, where I can enjoy it.
1: <laughs> where yeah. I'm like,
2: okay, I can't touch the script anymore. I can't change everything. <laughs> I can't pull the yeah. rug from underneath our wonderful actor's feet. So, I just have to enjoy what's up there. Well, <laughs> and it's been so fun. It's been so nice
1: It's yeah. so exciting to see that your work is is um is doing so well and mm-hmm. that you are making theater in such a uh interesting time, I guess, and oh, writing God. and yeah. creating
2: It's such a weird, good, interesting time. there's so much work at the moment, which is brilliant, mm. like we have so mm. many new original stories, so many new queer works, so many new musicals. I'm sorry, I just had to bring up musicals. I love musicals.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. One for my heart. Yeah, <laughs> And I will um, preface this with uh, Jacob and I do... We're, we're acquainted. We know we're each acquainted. other. Um, <laughs> we're acquainted. I did the ATYP Creating Your Own Work I think um, course yes. back in... Was it only last year?
2: I think it was last year and that seems oh too
0: close. I was like it feels like it's that feels too close but also it feels like it was like years ago but yep. I did that at the beginning of 2021 and um Jacob was I guess the I wanted to call you the teacher's assistant but that sounds yeah, so both weird. dirty and high school. Um
2: It was like a was weird kind co-teaching.
0: Yeah, it was like a unofficial. Yeah, exactly. Um but Jacob was a massive help uh personally to me and my writing and also uh brought in an actor at the very last minute for me to do my reading Um, shout out to jack west yeah jack west a true legend um (laughs) but but tell us a bit about you and how you found yourself in the theater world
2: i feel like this is a bit embarrassing but i'm going to tell the story anyway so i never (laughs) did i never did theater in high school because i was i was straight and if you can't see the video that it's quotation marks uh, and I went, no, no, I could never do theatre, no, never. Um, and so I j- went to uni. I went to UCID studying education. I went, where am I? I'm sick of being single. Where am I going to meet gay people? And like a like a mm-hmm. shining ray of light, sort of the suds, the theatre uh, mm-hmm. society there was like right there. I went, huh? Theatre, gay people. This is how I'm going to get a boyfriend. <laughs> Five years later, I'm single.
1: No! <laughs> and then
2: I of just got pulled in. I feel like as soon as you're around such passionate people, you're like, oh, crap, look how much everyone here loves this and how much ambition and passion everyone has. And you're like, I want to be part of this.
1: I yeah. love that. And, I mean, that kind of leads into, like, how did you get into writing? Was it something that... Kind of came from uni? Was it something that you've always done since you were a kid, or how did you kind of get into it?
2: I, I always did writing. I always was very creative, sort of, and that was my output because so I can write quickly. And so I would just sit there, like at my computer at school and whatnot, and like tap away at the story. It was always like short stories or like longer book forms or whatnot, never plays. And then when I was part of SUDS, I was sort of like, or this drum society, I was like, I should try and create something for this like plays I love watching them right now why am I not writing something like this and so I wrote the first play and had a read through there which was absolutely terrible and I love it <laughs> and I want to bring it back I want to workshop it but it's not never gonna happen and then I wrote I think like the second play I wrote was my first play this genuine moment um and I had a friend uh Hayden Tnazzi uh who's also directing Sun and who directed Genuine, who was doing the NIDA directing course at that time. And so I sent it to him because I was like, look, you know theater more than me at least. Uh, So I would love some thoughts on this. And he went, oh, I love this. It needs so much workshopping. And it did, but let's put it on. Let's apply for some stuff with it. I was like, great, okay. And sort of it just became like, it's like a rabbit hole a bit. I didn't plan it. I so never where it was like in high school being like, I'm going to be a playwright. Uh, but now that I'm here, I'm like, of course, this makes sense to me.
1: It's your calling, ah. as they say.
0: <laughs> I, because I remember going into the ATYP, creating your own work course. And I'm pretty sure I said this in the first meeting that I was not there to write a play. I was there to work on writing dialogue for my book.
1: Yes, and that's right.
0: Then we had to write something. And I ended up with the show that I'm now putting on later this year. And I was like, "That's," I did not go into that whatsoever being like, I'm going to write plays. Never in my life. I was like, maybe I'll write cabaret because cabaret is kind of like a heightened version of yourself. Um, But I was like, I'll never write like a play because I couldn't do that. And here we are. (laughs) Here you are. Here you are. It's like, it's very much like that.
1: <laughs>
2: it's just when you enter those environments where there's so many people keen on writing, you get so swept up in it. Mm. And it's brilliant. It's encouraging. It's community.
0: And that, that was definitely what that course um, taught me as well being able to hear everyone reading, you know, because obviously weekly we would kind of do like kind of a check in on how we were going with what we were working on. It was really lovely hearing other people's work and hearing how it developed um, and how much that assisted me in developing my own work. Um, and everyone was like constantly cheering each other on. So I think it, it really writing is such a community thing. So I think it has such an impact on how you write as well.
2: Yeah. It's like low, also low pressure, high ambition environments, which are great. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, so you were just talking about, um, previously this genuine moment, how did you feel, uh, putting it up for the first time in 2020,
2: I think, because I was, quite, I was what 19 when I did that, uh, so quite young and quite new to theatre at the time, and I knew what I had written was decent, sort of thing, I knew that there was some really good parts of it, uh, and obviously during the rehearsals, we had a two-week rehearsal block, uh, on the second last day of rehearsals, I want to say we cut a fifth of the script, Like, it was a massive, like, development thing. Hayden Tanazi, I will sing his praises, so good at developing new work. Uh, (laughs) It was a bit for me where I didn't, I don't think I knew as much as I know now, which was Mm -hmm. lovely, and it brought, I think, a freshness to my voice and whatnot. I love that script. But I didn't understand all the sort of what actually required to develop a work.
0: So for me, it was like
2: putting it on was like, this is a nice little thing. This is a script I'm proud of and a story I'm proud of. And I didn't think it could go further. And then we got picked up for La Mama. And I was like, oh, okay. This is huge. Let's keep on developing this. Let's keep on working this. Let's work with with Hayden again for Sun. Work with a bunch of other people. Yeah, yeah, just exciting. I think I didn't anticipate the significance of it for me.
1: It's really cool to see that... The progression, I think, especially going from like a first work to now this next work that you've obviously got on now, and um, you know how much you can grow in that time. And although like you might be young, and you look back and you go, "Oh, I could have changed this and this <laughs> yeah. and this," it's like in that moment that was a really raw piece and something that was really spoke to to you and and the audience because obviously had rave reviews. <laughs> can we just? But I guess like this is a great next question in terms of like other people who might be wanting to write, uh, plays themselves. What do you do when you're in a writing slump? Like what do you do to help yourself get out of it or, um, inspire you to continue writing? How do you deal with that?
2: I feel like, yeah, because this is so common writing slumps so common. I think I'm just coming out of one now, just kind of have massive one mid last year, Mm -hmm. um, Do you know Nicole, Nicole Pignon, Brilliant, brilliant theater maker. Um, She said something to me once about input versus output. And that we can't keep on thinking that we can continuously just output work after work after work without taking anything in. And that's not just like seeing other plays, but it's reading and it's like going to art galleries and looking after yourself in that creative way, that artistic way. And that's something I really try and keep on reminding myself on of being like, what what am I actually seeing what what am I taking in because if I'm just putting stuff out there you're going to burn out and you're going to enter a slump Mm. and I think the other thing is asking why you're writing stuff something that I've been like not struggling with but confronting a lot recently is has been like oh I want to write this for x y and z or I want to do this play because I think it'll sell well and you lose a sense of authenticity to your writing and to your voice and whatnot So I think it's important that, so if you're entering a slump, just questioning why you're doing it. Why are you writing this piece? Mm -hmm. What excites you about it? What do you actually want to get from this?
1: Mm. And then
2: pulling back from that.
1: I guess also in a way life experience as well, like Mm. going out and having some good experiences for yourself to be able to write from as well.
2: There's something Tommy Murphy once said in an interview that I love just about like good writing and he's like best writing's always a little bit vulnerable which mm. i love and like the idea of that you are sort of inevitably you put a little bit of yourself into your plays and there needs to be something about it where you're hesitating a bit being like is this too much maybe that's mm. a bit too dramatic but i think that's where you get some really beautiful raw and authentic moments
0: yeah i love that and yeah. do you find that um the shows that you write and the pieces that you write are they very much so at all based around yourself or like where do you kind of pull the inspiration from for you know obviously I know it's probably different for every piece that you write I mean of course it's different um but do you find that it's more so based in your world like in your reality or it's based more so in other people's
2: I think it's based in this sounds like out answer it's based on what interests me so obviously that, there's a sense of the personal in that. So for example, sun, tell me before the sun explodes, which just came, it's just closing tonight when we're recording. Um, I've always been fascinated with like queer representation and especially death, because that's something we see so often and whatnot. But I was like, what's actually interesting about this? And how do we take this sort of I massive idea of representation and ground it in the personal and like an individual queer person's response to death. Uh, which, yeah, for me, was just felt important and felt interesting and felt personal in the sense that it's something that I was grappling with as I wrote it. Like, never went in with all the answers, but more with all these questions.
0: Mm. Which I think That's is, a beautiful like, way. I think that is kind of what I've found is kind of the key for me personally in writing is kind of always like I can't have the answer to everything I think one of the things I enjoy most is when other people read it and they'll ask me why you know for any particular moment and if I don't have the answer I either need to discover the answer or there is no point in that particular moment um but I think it's also lovely not always having the answer inner play, um, and still yeah. being able to give both yourself and the audience and the actors opportunity to come up with their own answer to the question. Um, totally agree. And so we're obviously kind of also talking about queer theatre, and so Ooh. why do you think creating more queer theatre is of such high importance at the moment? I know there's a lot of kind of different development things, but these kind of you know developments that are really pushing towards um, diversity and especially telling queer stories? Why is it just so important at the moment?
1: I
2: think I think obviously queer, queerness is such a huge spectrum so we're talking about something like trans or non-binary artists having this representation so important because they haven't had this right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's so fundamental to actually be telling these new stories. This sounds bad. I think queer stories are better because, just better honestly, they're more interesting. This sounds very controversial, but (laughs) it's an added dynamic, right? Mm, If you're talking about queerness and, like, all its sort of historic and contextual values, you're getting a more interesting piece, most of the time, because Mm -hmm. it's a story that we've seen less, inherently, and has all these interesting little societal sort of stigmas and whatnot surrounding it. I think to actually answer your question rather than just go on a rant about queer theater. We're seeing (laughs) a lot of queer theater go in like two different ways. That's pretty simplifying it, but we're seeing sort of a big push towards uh, telling shame stories, which is like what we saw seen before a bit where it's like, let's unpack shame and unpack uh, all this trauma and stuff, which I feel like a lot of people saw branded as bad I personally think it's really good, because it's queer people telling their own stories. And so for so long we've seen other people, especially straight writers and whatnot, tell these stories about queer people. And this now we're actually seeing sort of empowering thing where queer people can own their shame. And then the other side is sort of pushing towards these no shame stories and uh, like a creative landscape where homophobia doesn't exist. And this is so mm. lovely and aspirational. Mm. So I think what we're seeing now compared to past decades of queer queer writing and queer creation is we have the choice of what we want to create and we're really shaping what almost like this canon of queer theatre is going to be. Mm. Which is so mm. cool.
1: That is yeah. really cool. It's, like where things will go in the future. That's really yeah. exciting.
0: And it's also really exciting, I think, as well, um because I feel, I feel like recently in a lot of things that I have like, applied for both as an actor and as a writer has been very much why do you want to tell queer stories? Um, um, or why do you think we need more queer theatre? I think it is that because it's telling... There, there is... It's not just, oh, you're gay. There mm. are... So, the spectrum of queerness, of LGBTQIA+, is enormous. And I feel like there are so many stories that we just don't have that we need to have Um, because I feel like there just always needs to be, even though I don't think we can ever 100% understand a person's sexuality because it is so different and diverse for everyone. It's important to still have, I guess, the baseline of those stories that we can build on and create more from. And I want to see more queer, like reimaginings of classic texts yeah, like we spoke great. with um yes with Steph Kakamo with Steph? about yeah. yes of oh, Oklahoma
1: Oklahoma yeah Oklahoma no. yes
0: where yeah. the character of Curly traditionally played by a um a cis man um was played by a woman and how that completely recontextualized the story it made so much more sense and it also then brought it to a new audience who might not have normally gone to see a oklahoma because whilst sure it's a a great classic it's also a classic and most people like of now of our generation and the younger generation who are like hamilton and our dear evan hansen and jagged little pill Probably would have found no interest in it had it not been reworked. Yeah. Um yeah. It's a I new wanna voice. See, Yeah, it, it brings yeah. a new voice, it brings a new meaning, and I feel like I wanna see more works cast in that way where it can it completely tells a new story. It makes it more interesting as well. Like I feel like if you can't if the answer for oh why are you doing this piece is because oh it's popular.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's not
0: a good enough answer anymore.
2: I think it needs to be intentional. If we're especially if you're sort of changing casting, or changing gender and sexuality. Having the intention behind it is what you sort of need. We did it for um Dumb Kids, which brilliant. Sophia Bryant directed. We had an artistic read through earlier this year. And there was a cast of thirteen, I wanna say, but maybe I can't count. Uh <laughs> and we somehow made it was like the High School was a queer adaptation of Spring Awakening. Um that's how it started oh, off and it was that. yeah it was so much yeah. fun to write and so a big like polyphonic voice and big l- lovely movement uh by the brilliant emma van veen um i'm just shouting out people now and <laughs> <laughs> we had um this one character otis i've written otis to be like this private school boy absolute like dickhead slightly <laughs> misogynistic And we were doing the development the first development of it we like this character's necessary but how are we gonna do it and we were doing this development and the first read through and we didn't have enough men there and a friend of mine uh brilliant emily sween was there uh and emily is i want to say like five three this tiny little girl uh brilliant actor and she was like i can read it why not and put on this backwards cap yeah. and it's the best thing I've ever seen and probably my favourite character now from that show just because it ch- and like I've added in the script I'm like this character is always to be played by a female identifying actor because this is the way that you can sort of be exposing how misogynistic men or these private mm-hmm. school boys often are through yeah. sort of just flipping it on its head where you're like this is comedy but this also happens
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. That is brilliant. I love that. So that that's the kind of, yeah. th- that's the way that you should be framing work like that. If you're going to change something, it has to be for a meaning. It has to have purpose. Um, and it so can't just be for, oh,
0: but it makes it woke.
2: But it no, makes it yeah. woke. It makes women it in like our It makes
0: us yeah. hated even more. <laughs> we love women.
2: Yeah. We yeah, women. <laughs>
0: oh my god they're playing male it roles. just like frustrates me so much <laughs> when they're just trying to tick boxes like yes yeah. I think in theatre making there has to be a certain amount of okay if we're doing this we have to create our own boxes to tick of why we're doing this and if we can't fill those all with real meaning of why and why we're putting this on then there's no point in doing it not ticking yeah. the boxes in a like a, oh if we do this this and this people will come and people exactly. buy tickets and rave about it because revolutionary. Um, gender What's intentions? Um, yeah, it's Definitely. it is so much about the intention. That is what changes it entirely.
1: Well, I think we can talk about this for years and yonks. Forever, really. (laughs) And we're doing
2: it. See you guys next week.
1: And we are. So I am going to... Let's move on to a little bit of a game. This might be a good time to break it up a little. So we're going to do a game. It's a very chill game. Not to worry. We're just going to do a rapid-fire question round of some questions for you to answer for us. Um, So first thing that comes into your mind, and then you just... Let us know what it is. I'm going to ask a couple questions now. I'm going to go first. So, go to Comfort Read.
2: Less, Andrew Sean Greer.
1: Love it. I do not know it. This
0: is also great for (laughs) recommendations as well. Yes.
2: And can Um, I say why? Because it's a Pulitzer winning, so I feel smart, but it's a gay comedy, so it's fun and it's so beautiful.
1: I need good recommendations, so I have to go listen. I have to not listen, read. read. Gosh. Listen. I could listen. Audible. This is sponsored we by we Audible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we Audible.
0: wish. Oh, <laughs> success, please. I listen to your to your audiobooks all the time. Um, <laughs> all right. Second question. Favorite piece of theatre?
2: Crap. Oh crap. Uh, they've seen or they've read. Uh, let's go you know with that you've
0: seen.
1: Seen. Okay, yes.
2: Yeah, see. uh, the Flick by Outhouse Productions at Seymour. Ooh. I love that play. Annie Baker's brilliant. So brilliant. And it just was such a well-in-touch production.
1: I love seeing good theatre. <laughs> so, um, oh, so good. So good. Uh, celebrity Crush. Taryn <laughs> right.
0: Oh, really?
2: Yeah. That just popped into head.
0: <laughs> Wait, who did you say?
2: Taryn Edgerton.
0: Oh, right?
2: Rocket, Rocket Man. I was like, yep. hi. Oh,
0: he's so good. He's amazing. He's so good. Him
2: or uh, Richard Madden in that movie, honestly.
0: Mm. I mean... Just gorgeous. Taron Edgerton can... Oh, I'm not even going to finish that. That's disgusting. <laughs> Don't say that. Because he can <laughs> sing. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi. Um, what is... Okay, your favourite genre of films?
2: I want to say queer. Uh, no, like... I sort of have a soft part, obviously queer, honestly. A soft place in my heart for, like, mumblecore. You know, the very, like, 2000s, just slice of life. Like, we're just talking Anna Kendricks here being crazy and quirky and I love her. Yes.
0: I think that my favourite genre of films has to be, Um, really terribly made films but because they're so terribly made Mm it makes them amazing
2: yes i've been on the slasher uh, like bad slasher uh (laughs) movement with my housemate for the past like six months and it's brilliant
0: (laughs) i have to highly recommend if you love um uh like badly made um movies um but that it makes them amazing watch fallen which is based off the book it is I think I've seen that. so badly made and they hyped mm. it up for so many years and then I think it only came out in DVD in Australia. I don't think it What's came out. What's it called? Out. Fallen? Fallen. It's about like fallen, fallen angels. Um, I actually loved what? it. i remember. I'm <laughs> Look, I loved it because of how bad it, it ended up being. <laughs> there was a moment, I remember, and obviously there was a moment where they had to record a voiceover for a character because obviously maybe, I don't know, she wasn't mic'd properly. Um, it didn't match oh, up no. with her mouth in the slightest. <gasps>
2: no Look, that's great she's that's an angel tragic. it's she's intentional an
1: angel. she doesn't need to i, I mean there's to. also sharknado come on like sharknado.
2: what's the birds one bird Demak.
1: oh uh, what is it Birdemic. you
2: seen that oh it's no.
1: i've only seen bird box <laughs> bird.
0: <laughs> i mean, the same thing but different it's
1: fine same yeah, same 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 different <laughs> um what is this is the last one your current obsession
2: Uh, I want to say my actors. That's what popped into mind. Uh, (laughs) No, but I want something proper. I want something new and exciting. A Strange Loop. There we are. That's something I've been listening to a lot.
0: (gasps) How amazing is it? How amazing. Eliza, you have to listen to it. It's a new Broadway show. It's phenomenal. Sensational. First... trans woman to be nominated for a tony award oh my god <gasps> nominated. oh my god oh so good no way yeah okay i
1: they, really need to listen to this like, they, have a cast s- recording they have at so her? many yep, um nominations
0: it. for it for um a strange loop and as they should it is so good when we're
2: talking about like authenticity and like voices and whatnot and in your representation that's just what springs to mind it's sensational
0: I also Mm. have to recommend um, another one that I've been listening to recently um, that I've also become obsessed with is called Islander. It is um, an Irish um, musical and it's all done on, (laughs) I'm going to sound like an absolute idiot. Um, You know, one of those things where you press the buttons and it loops your voice. Yeah. (laughs) So the whole thing is by uh, two women playing all of the roles in the show and they have a looper. In, I'm going to call it a looper. don't think that's what it's called. I
2: think it sort um, of is.
0: Oh, is it really? Oh, oh look at me. I'm, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, and they create all of the music with their voices in the show. Oh, my God. Um, that also highly recommend. Stunning. I have to listen to both of those. Thanks, guys. I'm actually in the
1: musical theatre, need to listen to New Music Zone. So that was perfect. That was perfect. Thank you so much for playing our little rapid fire question game. (laughs) Um, And obviously you are just finishing your run of Tell Me Before the Sun Explodes at KXT to Rave Reviews. Ah. How are you feeling about it? How did it, how's it going? Just tell us a little bit about it. It's
2: going well. And that's just like, I don't want to sound shocked, but like it's just so nice for something to go well mm. where you're like this is good the people that i've wanted to see it have come and seen it and they've liked it and oh. the actors are enjoying it and it's helping people and the design team oh my god the design team is so brilliant
0: that set is phenomenal by the way
2: oh thank you it's mm-hmm. gorgeous oh so up to you. another shout out yep. so good <laughs> The lights, it, sensational.
0: It's such an interesting space. So I was, I'm always really curious to see what people do yeah. with the space. Cause it's, um, oh, it's how traverse. would you describe it? It's traverse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say in the round, but it's not, um, <laughs> it's a traverse stage. So I'm always really curious as to see how people use it because I'm always mm. constantly thinking if I was to use it for something, how would I go about like setting that stage?
2: Yeah. No, it's, I love the set. Also, it's so different to what I had pictured which is so good. Yeah. I love uh, post-show, to go back to the actual question, before I do real.
1: <laughs> Sorry, so we feeling... did you? Sorry, that was me. <laughs> no, it's
2: feeling like a nice sense of satisfaction. No, I think I'm getting there. And I think often we sort of expect creatives, especially when the show's on, to be like, yeah, I did it. Uh, Imposter syndrome is so real. I'm still mm. sitting there and someone will say something nice to me and I'll be like, hmm are you lying to my face right now? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it feels good to be getting done and I think I'm getting comfortable with the script, which is nice. And I'm mm. excited for it to I'm excited it got the life that it got. And we'll yeah. see if there's any future things. If not, ready to start working on something new.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's that's always the fun part, then, starting the next work. And- oh, Yeah. And continuing figuring out what the next story is but I do really hope that we get to see this show and hopefully we'll get to Fingers go around crossed. a little bit come yeah. to Brisbane please <laughs> hi
2: hello uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge I'm not sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that I mean, I would hope that it does get to continue its life, whether it be yeah. this year or in the future, because it d- it does seem to be receiving absolutely phenomenal reviews. Well, um, Australia and Australia
2: does so badly. Sorry, let me just cut no. you off completely. No.
0: Australia,
2: no. I feel, with original works, they get one life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go on once, and then they're sort of retire- retired away and not often put on again unless it's like a major... Being put on like a major theatre company, mm, I was like, really. "There's so much work gone into a script, and mm-hmm. like the first run, and you're never gonna have a script finished until at least after the first run." In my opinion, because you need to mm-hmm. see it and you need to see what people react to. So I'm like, yeah. "Surely, let's keep stuff going." Yes, please. I think it's right?
0: also like, and again, because I haven't actually put on my own show yet, I could be totally talking out my ass and saying this. I feel like no, you please. just have to keep pushing. And being like, do my show. Like it received great reviews. Like there is no reason not to do it. I feel like I'm hoping that in future, um, theater companies do feel, especially bigger theater companies as well, because obviously they are the ones that receive the most funding. Therefore, they should be the ones supporting more new work because they're actually the ones receiving. Like KXT, Flight Path, Old Five Hundred Five, Red Line are amazing. But they receive, I'm sure, like, the tiniest, tiniest, like, pinky tip of my finger amount of funding as, like, Sydney Theatre Company, ATYP. So these are the the big ones are the ones that should be really investing in new Australian work. Um, And I just feel like I'm obviously... I I mean, it is. But I'm going to say hopefully because you never know. Hopefully at the end of the year um, we'll be producing my first production and i know that if if it goes well and if i have the response that i want i'm going to push to have it on more than you know just what yeah, do it you have to yeah mm.
2: it, i it feel t- like we've also we've left at any stage of being discovered right mm. a writer's not discovered an actor's not discovered anymore in australia there's no one like from these companies that come and go i want you it's you have yeah. to work hard because it's so saturated yeah, in the best way possible
0: and you have to constantly find a healthy balance of pushing yourself in their face and also not um it's so no. hard to know what that balance is is there a balance who knows um but i feel like <laughs> everyone is always like to me oh you know you can't be you can't be too pushy but then also on the other end they're like you gotta like you gotta email you gotta constantly follow up you gotta chase and i'm like so which which, which one? one is it um, be respectful,
2: but... but also be assertive. Be blah blah blah.
0: That's it. 100%. Be respectful. Be respectful, but be assertive. I think is what we have to do. Otherwise, I, I just, we're gonna lose independent theater.
2: Yeah, oh, That got so dramatic. I love
0: a bunch of drama queens sitting
2: around the table. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. I guess kind of obviously still talking about theatre and theatre writing, um, but what are some of the biggest challenges turning your work into from, you know, this script that only you have ever read to a full scale production?
2: I feel like what, what if I could give any advice to new writers, I'm pretty sure I would have said this to you at that ATYP course is that theatre is, A collaborative medium Mm -hmm. and that you need to be really willing to let stuff go and then hold on to the stuff that you want or that you think it needs it's about stepping back from your script and going okay this is my baby what parts of it do I actually need and what parts do I not Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the biggest challenge is that often sometimes you are so in your head with a script Mm -hmm. And there's, I'm not sure about other people. I felt when I first started writing this expectation to have it perfect mm. when I brought it to people. And it's like, oh, yeah. actually, the ideas, someone else, it's so much easier to read and critique someone else's script than your own. You can be the best playwright in the world, and to read your own script and to critique it, I think will still be harder than reading something else. Mm. Because you 100%. get in your own head about what's needed and what's not, or what's there. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is just opening yourself up to collaboration.
0: Definitely, yeah, it definitely is is scary, and I can only talk on this from personal experience of, Please do. um, you know, uh, in with my show that I'm currently working on, um, you know, I kept saying, oh yeah, we can do a reading at this point once it's reached draft. I don't know what I'm on now, like 1.7 or something. Um, Once it's reached draft 2.0, then you can read it. And then um, being like, no, Tori, you have to like, (laughs) stop. (laughs) Like, it's not going to magically be perfect by that draft because I also know that for me, and I'm sure for many writers, when you write, you're in your head, you're, you're writing in Mm -hmm. your head as you're writing it onto a page or onto a computer. And um, as soon as you hear someone say the words out loud, I know that the first reading that happened for me with um, Isabel and Jack, I went Mm. listening to it. I went, ooh, ooh, that doesn't, mm, okay, that needs to be reworded or that doesn't flow or ooh, that worked really well. Um, Mm. But also some great advice that, um, I'm going to say her name wrong, Kirsty Marillia gave me, who is the author of Orange Thrower, if we haven't seen it. It's a great show. Yes, oh, Sensational. Yeah. Um was that well, it wasn't necessarily advice it was her experience of it is collaborative but also being so aware of not people pleasing because she yes. said it went through so many hands and so often and she would kind of get to a point where she would go actually no I don't like that. I don't like that I've changed that because of what this person suggested. Or she would find that it would constantly come full circle where to a point where someone would go oh actually how about this? And she would go, Oh, actually I've already got that in a draft in like, you know, my third draft, that's how I had written it. Um, so I think it's, again, it's that fine balance of collaboration, which is so necessary, um, as well to know if you're on the right, because, you know, I found that there've been other, other things that I've written where I've been so certain that it's relatable. And then someone else reads it and is like, uh, i kind of don't understand and you're like oh okay hang on <laughs> yeah this is actually what is then helping to make it into a producible piece
2: i think yeah. my my biggest uh not my biggest flaw there's so many more of those uh one of my biggest sort of, like things that i do wrong that i would want to change is i'll write a new piece i'm getting better at this and i'll send it to like five people and there will be just a sense that why am I doing this? Am I wanting their honest feedback or am I wanting validation? Mm. I think especially when you do the read through or when you do a development, you have those people in the room that you trust and you have you go, What do I want from them? And what am I actually gonna listen to? Because mm. it's at the end of the day, it's your script. hundred yeah.
0: percent. I think that that I think that your answer kind of combines that and our last question, which was advice for writers. And I think that that is so good, but I guess maybe we'll end it on like a really, I guess, what would your number one piece of advice be for new writers who want to get into writing, but are unsure how?
2: I think know what you want to write. So just, it doesn't need to be specific, but have that idea and just do it. Like it sounds so bad. It makes it sound so easy, but just write and write and write and don't make it the excuses where you're like, I'm too busy because you just need to keep on writing and don't expect <laughs> it to be perfect. It'll never yeah. be perfect.
0: I think that that is honestly perfect advice because that's, I, I feel maybe similar to what you told me and I kind of just wrote around yeah. the basic idea that I wanted to write about. And then from there went, oh, okay, this is shit, but but this now I can take this and fiddle with it.
2: Yeah. I think if you're, do like, honestly, practical advice, automatic writing, so good, five minutes a day, just write and write and write, Yeah. Uh, come up with characters, just jot everything down, jot every idea down, Uh, and the practical advice is, you've written your first act, or your first, I always split stuff into a five-beat structure, you've written your first beat, you're like, where do I go next, what's the thing that will completely change this world, What's the thing that happens? What's your Sarah Kane blasted the bomb hitting the building Mm. moment? (laughs) Yeah. I think Lachlan said that during that course. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying like your audience should think they know where the play's going by the end of the first beat and then have no clue by the end of the second beat. Mm
1: Mm-hmm that is the best writing actually yeah (laughs) that is well thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything with us and sharing so much about writing which is something that we haven't talked a lot of about on the podcast so we really appreciate all your input um and especially the advice for those out there that are wanting to do this themselves but before before we go, we're gonna do a little bit of a bedtime story. bedtime story. Um, so this can be like anything that, like, kind of usually it's a stage mishap, but I'm not sure. What I've got you...
2: ones, but it's not You've me, it's just happened during one of my plays. So I'm telling oh, no, that I love story, that.
1: yes. Tell us, <laughs> go for
2: it. So, genuine, this genuine moment when it was on at La Mama for Midsummer, so it was a short season, it was just a week long, uh, and the opening night. We had all our reviewers, a bunch of people from Green Room, so many people there. First time the show was going on, I hadn't been, because it was rehearsing in Melbourne, I'm based in Sydney. So I, like, came down and was, like, sitting in the audience ready to watch it. And the play is structured. There's two people in this bed and giant projections of their phone screens behind them. Um, and I'm sitting and waiting and the show starts and everyone's still sort of watching and it's a blackout. The actors come on and get into the bed to pretend like they've been asleep. And then it's a blackout. And then it's still a blackout. And nothing is happening. And within the first 10 seconds of the show, a showstop is called because the lights aren't working. Oh, And so that's bad. That's bad enough as it is. But then one of the actors pops his head up to see what's happening realizes this is a show stop and let's just restart the show and goes off stage but doesn't grab the other actor <gasps> so he's just stuck lying in the bed on the stage <laughs> with his like head under the pillow oh and it was God. not good
0: it's like I'll i just hope they can here. laugh about
2: it now he's like i'm just staying here well he didn't realize i think i think he had like the pillow over his head or something and oh, his because his cue was the other actor. He was meant to pretending to be asleep, and his cue was the other actor to like wake him up accidentally. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> this poor actor is just there, just like, wow, this is, this is, yeah, this is taking really a, yeah, well, they're I really going with time. Why are we making there, a choice?
1: I was sitting
2: there being like, this is such a bold choice to not have <laughs> lighting in this first scene. I was like, wow, <laughs> oh, this is really wow. clever. Yes. And I turned the turn around to the director, sort of just like glaring at our lighting operator. I was like, oh, not, not intentional. <laughs>
1: Especially with all those people there and you're like, oh my God, of course it has to happen. Of course tonight. it happens. I love that. And
0: I love, I, I think I think my favorite thing is when things like this happen and it's completely out of your control. Like there's absolutely yeah. nothing that you as a performer, as the creative, as the writer, as the director, there's nothing you can do. You kind of mm. just have to sit there and be like,
1: Exactly. That's all, folks. That's mm. all. That's well, all.
0: that was a perfect bedtime story, I feel like, as a writer. So, thank <laughs> you very much for sharing with us. Um, and, you guys, obviously, you can no longer see Tell Me Before the Sun Explodes because by the time this is out, it has closed. So, it's if you closed. missed out, well, that sucks for you. It sucks um, and it's
2: sad for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure um, there will be another show coming soon um, that. Of Jacob's that you'll be able to see, whether it be *Tell Me Before the Sun Explodes*, *Dumb Kids*, this genuine something moment, new. pretty much something new, something fresh. Mm. Um, but you guys can keep up to date with Jacob on his Instagram, which is Jaffle Triple Eight, which is just J A Double F E. No, let me try that again: J A Double F L E Eight Eight Eight. Fun fact: for... That was
2: my Club Penguin username.
0: Oh uh, that my yes, Club Penguin. Amazing! I loved Cobb
1: Pen- Penguin.
0: So good! Oh, those were the days. Those so were gosh, the days. I was a Minecraft good. kid, but anyway, we don't, we don't need to go into my <laughs> deep dark secrets. Um, but thank you so much again, Jacob, for taking the time to come on and no, chat with us guys. today. Um, and until next time, you guys, stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we will see you then. Bye. Bye.